0: Well, good morning. Tell you what, you had every excuse not to come to church today. Time change. That's a lot of snow out there. So I look out and it's like this is these are the real Christians right here. These are the these this is the real deal right here. No, hey, good job making it to church. I, I know I know how it goes. You had every excuse not to come, but you did it anyway. So good job. Way to be here. Here's what I know. Here's what, here's what I. Every time something like that happens, or anytime maybe maybe you like you just had to like you, you peeled yourself out of bed just to come to church. Here's what I. Here's what I believe. I believe it for myself. So, so I, this is what I remind myself. So I'm going to remind you. I, rem, I just remind myself. Okay, I'm doing this. God knows I'm doing this, and I that just means I believe that God has something for me, and, it, and in this case, He has something for you this morning. And so He knows that you're here, and uh, I uh, I think if we're if we're listening this morning, I think He has something to say to each each one of us. So again, I'm glad that you're here. Hey, uh, we are in our Promises series right now. We're going to keep that going here this morning. And uh, groups started this last week. I know we have a lot of people uh, in groups. I'm sure a lot of you are in groups. And that's very exciting to be that we able. We finally got to the point where we're kicking that off. Here's something you probably, you, some of you probably found out real quick. Um, they filled up real fast, and so we have groups that are not on the finder anymore because they filled up and they removed their, themselves from the finder. And so, uh, here's what I say to that: If if you're one of those, you're going wait a second. I wanted to be in a group, but I can't be in a group. Uh, because you don't have a group for me. Here's what I would say to that. Two, two things. One, um, this is not the last group semester we'll do. We'll do groups again. So you'll have another opportunity to sign up for groups. So here's what it means. It might mean, here's what it means we need more people to lead groups. So maybe you ought to consider leading a group. That's one. Here's the other one. Sign up sooner. Like They filled up quick. Like Sign up sooner. We had a lot of people coming to me later, coming to our, our team. Just like, we can't, we can't find a group. We're like, well, you know, um, that's because it's, it's Thursday, okay? The group started four days ago. Like that's that's why. So anyway, there you go. Just some just some lessons to to be learned, and and um, uh, I hope this is kind of like the, some of this spurs us along to go. We let's you know more people to lead groups here at the church, okay? Um, by the way, we got summer small groups that'll come up here too as well. So we'll come to the end of this. We'll have a little bit of a, of a break in between it, and then we'll do summer small groups again. All right, we're in promises here in a minute. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so you can prepare to go there. We're not ready to go there just yet, but before we do that, I'm going to kind of lay some groundwork. Kind of where where have we been? What have we been talking about? Where are we going to what are we going to talk about today? Um, this whole series we've been talking about with when it comes to promises, God has made some promises to us. He's made promises to us. Last week we talked about what those promises were. We talked about He's this, He's the God that, He's Jesus. He's the one that has ushered in the year of the Lord's favor. And so He's the God that promises rest and peace. He promises forgiveness Freedom, restoration, and we talked about last week, we talked about what those mean for us in our, in our day-to-day lives, and, and as we go farther into our, me- into our series over these next several weeks, we're going to kind of drill in even more as to what these promises actually mean for our lives, tangibly, what, what, what do they mean for our, our family. Now, I, I think, in my experience, when I talk to people, when we start talking about the promises of God, I start talking about things like rest and peace, freedom, you know, restoration, forgiveness. Usually what I find people who, have a, who struggle with the promises of God, they go, that, that's great. But there's this like little question in the back of your mind, is it really for me though? Or there's, I meet people all the time who, who say, "Yeah," you know, they look at it and they go, ah, that, that's great. You know what? I believe that. But in the back of their mind, they go, I've messed up. So it, it's not really for me anymore. It was for me, but now now maybe it's not. I kind of moved on. So we've been talking about that. Here's another thing we've been talking about. We said that the Bible's word for promises is covenant. We said this is really important to understand because if you're gonna understand how God relates to us, it's not just promise the way we always think of the word, it's it's covenant, and there's some real substance and some real meaning to what that word is. And, and if you don't understand that word and, and the context for it, then 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 you're not gonna really kind of you're not gonna really get a hold of of the idea that God has made promises or that God is actually in covenant with us. Here's, here's the next thing we've been saying. We've saying that covenant, covenant is this it's, this, it's this moment when a stronger party makes an agreement with the weaker party. Somebody stronger comes along who doesn't have, doesn't need anything, makes an agreement with the weaker party. So in our case, the covenant that we find ourselves in. It's a covenant in which God says, hold on a second, you don't need to bring anything to the table. You don't bring, you don't bring any, you're you're not bringing collateral to this deal. He says, no, I'm, I'm the way to fulfilling this promise or this covenant is on me. And so this is, this is where we're at. So here's the question we're going to answer today. It's how do I stand on God's promises? Now, before I dive in and we answer that question, because we're going to get to that question again, I think there's some groundwork that we got to, we got to lay here for us because there's a, there's a real difference between knowing the promises of God and knowing how to stand on the promises of God. These are not the same thing. I, I'll give you an example. Several years ago, there was an older lady the church I was pastoring at the time, and I was, I was, she was very faithful. She was at church every single weekend. She's in her probably her mid-70s or so, I would say. And um, she, uh, um, I probably had a conversation with her every other week, it seemed like. And very sweet lady. I, I, I you know, I, if I came around the corner, I'd see her coming. She always wanted to come and talk to me for a few minutes. And so it was great. We would talk for a little bit. And um, but I, I'm going to I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm going to tell you how my conversation would go with, with this with this sweet lady. Um, she would always tell me all the stuff that was going on in her life. She always come, to tell me the stuff that's going on in her life. And the way she would talk about the things that are going on in her life, the promises, like things like rest and peace. She would talk about forgiveness, restoration. She would talk about free, like, in, she would talk about it in these roundabout ways, like they were very, they were just out of reach for most of her life. And here she is in her mid to late 70s and still just kind of struggling with all the same stuff that she's always been struggling with. And it was very, honestly, it was very disappointing because if I'm going to, and this isn't to be harsh to her, but it's very self-consumed, a very self-consumed life, honestly, a very emotionally stunted life. This is a lady that has been sitting under, sat under sound Bible teaching for 40 plus years of her life. So how do, how do we sit under, how do we sit under sound teaching for that many decades of our life we can tell you, we know, we know what the promises are. I've heard this. I, I know what that is. And yet, not actually seeing them play out in our lives. Like, how do we get to that place? And I, and I think for all of us, I don't want you to be in this position. I don't want you to, I don't want to talk to you when you, when you get to that phase of your life and go, you've been sitting under Bible teaching for, for four plus decades and here we are. Like, you know the promises, but they're just always quite out of reach. Again, knowing them, and knowing how to stand on them are not the same thing. How we approach God's promises is just as important as knowing God's promises. So here's what we're going to do today before we jump into it. Here's what I want want all of us to do. I want us all to just have like a, let's have an honest moment of reflection. Because it's, it's easy, and I, and I, and I get it. I've, I've been there with you. Where you sit through a message, and you just go, oh, that's great. I know somebody that would probably need to hear that. Not really me. I got something else. Like, I, I got something. Yeah, we have our qualifiers. So let's do this today. Let's, let's take a moment and have honest reflection about the way that we're approaching the promises of God. And I think for a lot of us, we need help doing that. I know I do. I need help. With this, and so what I, when I when I'm when I'm at a crossroads where I'm just like I'm just not seeing it, I asked I ask the Holy Spirit I ask God to help me see that. And so let's do that. Let's pray for the rest of our service here this morning, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us honestly reflect. And if there's any area in our, of our life where we're approaching God incorrectly, that He would shine a light on that, so that we can we can approach Him the right way. Sound good? Heavenly Father, we just ask you right now, in all humility. To to show us, to teach us this morning, we, we want we want this this morning to be an honest moment of reflection, that that we wouldn't just walk out of here knowing more about you, but that we would that that you would shine a light in the in the parts of our our life, maybe our behavior, our mindset, where maybe we're we're not quite approaching God the way you've told us to, maybe we we've kind of like infused our own ideas in there, our own insecurities in the middle of all that. And so we just ask you right now to grow us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hebrews 7, verse 22, it says, As a result, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. A better covenant. I love that word, a better covenant, because everybody wants better. Do we not? Nobody wants worse. We want better. I remember years ago, or not even, I still mountain bike, because so I'm still mountain biking, but I remember when I got my first, like, nice mountain bike many years ago. I was so excited about my mountain bike. I, was, I mean, it was one of those bikes I could take anywhere. I never thought I'd own a bike that cost this much money. I was so excited about my bike. And then I got a call that a couple of friends of mine were going to meet me up on the hill, and we were all going to go mountain biking together. One of which, I'd never, one of the one of his friends, I'd never even met him before. He said he was a good mountain biker, so... Sounds sounds great. I'm looking forward to this. Again, I'm feeling real good about my bike. I go up to the mountain. We all get there. We all pull our bikes out. I meet this new guy. He says, yeah. I'll tell you, oh, hey, nice bike. He says, yeah. He lets me know he spent about $3,000 on his mountain bike. And suddenly, my nice mountain bike didn't feel like a great mountain bike. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. This feels like the worse, not the better. I went from real excited to not real excited. Thinking, man, I need to maybe I need to think about upgrading. We do this with everything. We do this with food. You go out to a restaurant, what do we, what do, we do? We order something, and then the table next to us, their food comes out, and we just go, wow, that, that looks better than what I ordered. Because we want we want better. We don't want we don't we don't want worse. We want to win. Like we we want we we want the better. So here here's the question that we have to ask because because here's Jesus and he's saying he's the we're saying here that he's the guarantee of a better covenant. And I think we have to ask ourselves, well, better better than what? And it's better than the Old Covenant. So the question is, what do we do with the Old Covenant, the Old Testament? What do we do with it? Because listen, in order to appreciate, in order to understand that, hey, this is a better one, then we got to understand where, why, why is it better? Like, well, if, if you don't understand the old one, then we're not going to appreciate the new one. And I think, I think for a lot of us, we, kinda, we understand this in like day-to-day terms because I've noticed it's like the older I get, I find out like there's things that I used to do, and then I've, people are trying to tell me that there's new and better ways. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Don't throw out the old ways just yet. It's it's not like they were just they were bad. We do that right. We do that with our age as we get older. We should probably do that with the Old Testament. Hold on a second. Is this a better covenant? Why is it better? What makes this covenant better? Now, what I find there's a lot of misconceptions about the old covenant, about the Old Testament. Lots of misconceptions. One of which is that it's unnecessary. This idea that somehow we well, don't really you don't really need that anymore, we've just kind of moved on, and, and I get that, I mean, we kind of do that with our, with our Bibles, too, because it's a little bit confusing, so we look at it, and it's a little bit confusing, and so we, we look at the Old Testament, and we're like, well, God the Father, that's, that's the Old Covenant, and, you know, he's kind of mean and moody, and then you got the New Testament, God the, you know, you got J- Jesus, the Son, and, you know, he's nice and accepting, so it's like, where do we turn today? Well, I, I could turn to Lamentations or Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians, Come on, you all with me? It's like, I get that. That's encouraging. Lots of misconceptions, lots of misunderstandings. And here's the thing. As you begin to understand the Old Covenant better, there's some things that might surprise you. There's some things that might move you, might challenge you. Here's something that the Old Testament does for us, the Old Covenant. It reveals to us who God really is, like His his character. And it hasn't changed. It shows us who He is. And the more you read it, the more you'll find out it's, it's very nuanced. Like, it's, it's not, it's not always just kind of like, you know, right at you, not bottom line with, with everything. It requires our attention. I think sometimes we approach everything, we, we just seem to approach everything. It's like, hey, just cut to the chase. Hey, just, just tell me what, just tell me what I need to know. Like, get, get to the point. Some of you are even thinking that right now. Just get to the point. Pastor, what are you, what are you saying right now? And I, I here's what I would say to you. I'm the Bible's not written that way. So if that's the right way, then I guess God didn't get the memo because the Bible, the Old Testament especially, it's very nuanced. It requires a little bit of attention. And I know that's hard for us because we live in a, like, an attention deficit culture. In fact, if you, if you don't capture somebody's attention within the first few minutes, we lose you. There's, there's a whole, the whole marketing strategies are built around this. In fact, I'll even say this, even in the church world, yeah, I can, I can invite a church consultant in here. And I, and I already know, I've, I've, I've listened, I've heard so many, I've heard this so many times. And they tell you, even in church, they say, listen, new people are going to come to your church. And you have 10 minutes from the moment they walk onto your parking lot to when they walk in here. And if you don't capture them within the 10 minutes, they're gone. They're never coming back. As robotic and business-like as that sounds, you know what? It's true. Why? Because we have like attention deficit disorder all the time. We're always looking for something. It's like if we're not captivated by something, it's just like we pull the phone out. No, that's, we're just, we're easily distracted. And unfortunately, we bring this to the Bible. So we come to the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament. When we get to these parts that are understandably difficult to understand, and we just move on. And it requires our attention. And as a result of this, it's often very misapplied. And misapplied, to very well-meaning Christians, honestly, for a lot of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, maybe even a few decades, and we misapply these things because we don't really understand them. For the, second, for the for language sake, I'm going to call the Old Testament, I'm going to call that the ancient time and ancient people, and then we'll call us modern people moving forward. So the ancient world was different. It was different. And I think that's really easy to understand, really easy to see. You open a few, that's why we kind of like glaze over because we look at it and we're like, wow, these people had different priorities. I'm not really understanding this. But here's what we also know. It, the, the world was different, but human nature was the same. It's the same. Here's, here's a misconception about Old Covenant. We have this idea that it was impossible to keep the law of God. This might surprise you. It wasn't. It was not impossible to keep the law. of Moses That was not an impossible thing to do. They could do it. In fact, like the idea that you would mess up, sin, like unclean didn't even mean that you were sinning. It just, it just meant that there were certain rituals that you had to go through in order to be clean again. Like the idea that you would mess up was built into the law. It was not impossible to follow the law of Moses. Like you, they, they could do it. They just chose not to do it, but you could do it. See, here's what, Here's what the Old Covenant does for us. It reveals something. It reveals the real problem. The real problem. Revealed the the real problem for them, just like it reveals the real problem for us. because, Because this idea, just like the ancient world, the modern, we do the same thing. We have this idea that the problem that's ailing our culture, ailing our families... The problems around us, it's all out there. If that group would just change, boy, if those people would just vote differently, this would all be better. If, if, this, if these people, if the alphabet people would just get, do this, like, we all have our categories that we put people in. Well, but this and that, and this would change. This is all out there, and here's what, the, here's what it reveals to us. The problem isn't out there. The problem is in here. This is what, this is what the old covenant shows us. So let's make a contrast I again, this is something that we, we we need to be able to understand in order to appreciate this better covenant that we find ourselves in. So let's do a little contrast here. Let's contrast the the ancient person, okay? So if you're Old Testament time, here's here's what the ancient person, very agrarian society, agricultural society. Some of you you can relate to this. You 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 get some of this. Like dependent on weather, rain, sunshine, like very, very dependent. Their livelihood really, really hinged on this. You needed your crops to grow. Right? Makes sense. You you needed livestock to be healthy and and grow. By the way, sometimes when I think about this stuff, I just think, my goodness, praise God, I was born when I was, because I would be lost in the sauce with this stuff. Like this is, this was my life, this is not me. Like, livestock to be healthy and grow. You needed safety from your enemies. This whole idea of like living in these like very organized, you know, uh, municipalities where we have the, the police that we can call, and if your house is on fire, you can call the fire department. Like, no. You needed, you needed protection, like you needed God to protect you. And here's what, here's what was often happening with them. They had these things that they cared deeply about. Yet, in the ancient world, you were just very keenly aware that you didn't really have the control over things like maybe you would like to have. You cared deeply about things, but you didn't have a lot of control. And I think sometimes we read the Old Testament and we go, wow, can you believe what they did? See, we look at like the the culture that we look at this this idea, the ancient where we look at our old covenant, the old testament, and we go, can you believe some of the things these people were doing? What they did, and we're kind of shocked by it. Understandably so. It's 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 shocking when we hear some of these. But but we got to understand this. We do we do the same things, it just doesn't always look the same. But we 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 do the same things, we just call it by different names. It's our politics and it's our careers, and it just kind of manifests itself in different ways. In our world. So again, let's contrast. That's the ancient person. What about the modern person? We live in this 24 7 global connection, always connected. Always connected. All human knowledge is available at any time. In fact, there's always talk about rethinking our education system. How are we educating young people? Why? Because there's so much more knowledge that's available at our fingertips that wasn't before. And so it even makes us think, like, wait a second, do we need to even educate our kids differently because of this? How about all creative content? Like, everything's available all the time. You ever found yourself the endless scroll? on Netflix you're like I just can't seem to find anything to watch no there's plenty to watch we just have everything and therefore we can't decide what to watch like it's just like everything's available this is by the way and I know for a lot of you can relate to this See, I the, I remember the way I grew up you actually had to watch what was on like you remember those days you didn't have you had like six other channels that was your options so like go, go through there go through there and you had to watch the commercials now, I just, I'm like irritated that I had to watch a commercial. Like, you know, you're, you know, you watch the YouTube video and you don't get the skip now button. You're like, yeah, I, 10 seconds of my life. There it goes right there. I got to watch this. This is unbelievable. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, you're a little irritated. You have to watch commercials. I This is the, for some of us, this is just how we grew up. That's how you grew up. In fact, I remember way I grew up, we grew up with one of those like three by four wooden TVs. Y'all know, some of you don't even know what a wooden tv is yeah they used to make wooden tvs okay it was a three by four box that sat on the floor this thing was heavy okay and we had that for most of my childhood and then I remember I remember I had this distinct memory of the tv going out on us oh no what are we going to do the tv went out we were all excited because it meant my dad was going to buy a new tv so first he tried to fix it so he had he found a tv repairman we were a little bit we were like oh please don't fix it please can't fix it get a new one You know, he comes back and says, you know, uh, I remember saying, well, it's not cost effective to fix it. So he says, he's got a new one for me. He says, I can come pick it up tomorrow. Great. So I remember he went to the, he went to this repair guy who had a TV for him and he goes to pick up the TV and he brings it back and he says, yeah, it's a refurbished one. It was another like four by four wooden box TV that was working. He brings, he said, this was an upgrade y'all. Okay. It swiveled, like it turned, it had like a swivel thing out. It was a big deal. Problem was we didn't know where to put it. Because we had the other big one, and we had to get rid of it. So we thought, well, what do we do? You know what? Just for now, just put it on top of the other TV. So at one time in my living room, we had one big wooden TV with the swivel upgrade on top of it. I mean, it was, it was a lot of TV in that moment. And then, y'all remember this? This is analog days, not digital days. So it was like the game's not coming in clear. So it was, hey, Jason, go fix that antenna. So I'll be over there fixing the antenna. You know, oh, hold on, hold on right there. You did the let go thing. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's fuzzy. hold it. Oh there it is. You know what? Just just hang on to it. I'm telling you right now. I got memories as a kid watching entire basketball games holding an antenna, leaning over the TV just like this. Come on now. This is just we were just keeping it classy, redneck Oklahoma, man. Two double TVs, holding an antenna, watching a basketball game. Man, that was that was my childhood right there. Yes. How about this one? How about this one? Ordering goods and services. You can, even right here in Wilson, you can order your groceries and have them delivered to your door within two hours. Isn't that amazing? Man, God bless America. That's incredible. Yep. But here's the problem with all that. Here's the problem with all this. It gives you this illusion that you're in control. You have this illusion that, oh, I just just go here and I just grab that and I just do this. And you have this illusion that you're in control. And see, we care deeply about certain things. The truth is, is that we can't control a lot of things. And there's nothing like circumstances to kind of like quickly remind us that we don't have the control that we'd like to think that we have all the time. Somebody gets sick that's close to you. Maybe you get sick. It's like, well, hold on a second. Maybe tragedy comes your way, comes close to your home. Hold on you just, you can't do anything about it. What you What are you going to do in a moment like that? And the culture continues to degrade, even though you make every effort to try to like curb that. It just keeps happening. What you, it's out of your control. Your kids do something that disappoint you. Either they have or they will. And you what am I what am I going to do? Spouse hurts you. A friend lets you down. These are moments where you realize these are things that you care deeply about, but you just don't have the control that you would like to think. And see, when we look at ancient people and a modern person, we look at us and we look at them. And here's the thing: we all want the same thing. We want the same thing they wanted. We, we want the same thing they wanted. They want basic provision. Come on, y'all remember this? Remember, you're just getting started on your just getting on your feet. And you know what do you want? I just want a job. I just want I just want to be able to work and make a living. I just want to be able to provide for my family. I just want to I just want to get going. Right? They did too. Basic provision. They want to be loved. They wanted connection, meaning, fulfillment. These are all things they wanted. These are all things that we want. And this is why it's important because if we don't see this, if we don't see that, if we see that as like a different category of people, well, they're they're just like these less than. This is a different group of people. We are we're a more evolved people. We've kind of come farther along. We're more progressive today. If if we if we categorize like that, if we don't see that they, that what they wanted is what we wanted, and their problem is our problem, if we don't see that. That we won't believe the answer that God has for us because the answer for them is the same answer for us covenant. It's the same answer. But again, if you don't see this, you won't appreciate it. And you certainly won't appreciate the better covenant. So here's the old covenant. Here's the old one. Here, here's, what the, here's what the old one looked like. Pull up. You have, a, you have you and I in our brokenness, in our sin, right? And then you come along. Go and bring up the next one here. And, and, and again, wanting to approach God. This is our approach to God. So in order to approach God, you bring your sinful self. And then you bring, you bring your best. You bring your best. You bring your best animal. You bring your best sacrifice. You brought your best, okay? So you bring your best. Where do you bring your best to? Well, you bring your best to the priest who, who then makes a sacrifice on your behalf. You. Take your sacrifice there, and there we go. And if your sacrifice is accepted, then there was this curtain, this veil. And, and, and behind this curtain in this veil, this is called the Holy of Holies. And, and behind this, uh, once a year, this high priest had the opportunity to go behind that curtain and come into the presence of a perfect God. And this right here is the old covenant. This is what it looked like to go from where you and I are to the perfect God. And, and here's the point, and here was their point. We approach God on his terms, and these were the terms that God laid out. You approach God on his terms. See, religion religion wants to earn, but the covenant is based on faith. You go, wait, hold on a second. That, that looks like earning. but oh, Believe it or not, it, it, it's not. His covenant's always been on faith. Even his old one, it was based on faith. In fact, when you read the covenant that God made with Abraham, it was his faith. Abraham, It was Abraham who in faith was loyal and believed and did what was righteous and, justice and just and, and looked to his Messiah like it would, that's what it was. It was based on faith. And usually you read, you go through the Old Testament, you read other prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah, and they would talk about, they would all mention there's this new covenant that God would bring. And so here's the old one. Before we jump into the new one, we're going to head into Hebrews chapter 10. So let's head into Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Let me, let, me, let me lay this up for the sake of time. Let me just summarize the book of Hebrews for you. Here, here, here's, the, here's the summary. This was written to New Testament Jewish believers. And here's the writer of Hebrews, and he's basically saying this. He's saying, Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the priesthood. He's better than the sacrifices. He's the absolute best that God has for us. That's, there you go. I just summarized the book of Hebrews for you. That's what it's all about. So here's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Let's read this. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Remember the most holy place. We just saw that on the previous screen. It's, it's that place where the living perfect God is. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, remember that, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful, by the way. He, he's always been faithful. Like this is, again, this isn't, he didn't become faithful because now we're following Jesus. He's always been faithful. That was always his thing. He was, he was faithful with the old covenant. He's still faithful with the new covenant. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Listen to what I'm saying in these last two verses here. Spur one another on toward good deeds, toward love, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching listen this the last part especially like this is this has always been the heart of covenant old testament old covenant new covenant this has always been the heart of covenant covenant is never just about you and me like the the promises are never they've never been just about like what 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 what's it mean for for me for 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 what i care about for for the world that i find myself in for for my family for my kids for me it's always something that flows through you always has been. God comes to to Abraham and he makes a covenant with him. And if you you remember what he said to him, he said, listen, I'm going to build your family so you can bless the nations. Like I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to set apart this nation and I'm going to make you my own so that one day I can reconcile the rest of the world to myself. Like covenant is always something that flows through us. And at the heart of God's covenant the heart of God's promises for us is connection and encouraging other people this is at the heart of this it's always something that flows through us so here's the new covenant here's the here, here's the new covenant as we've been just been introduced to let's, let's break this down what this is first Corinthians 11 actually says Jesus actually says I am the new covenant he like encapsulates it it's him it, it's Jesus and so here 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 we are New covenant. Here we are again, right? Just like the old covenant. Here we are, our sinful, broken selves, except we don't bring our best. We don't bring the sacrifice. What do we do? It's Jesus. He's the offering, the priest. He's the righteousness. And then through Jesus, we get to a perfect God. Listen, here's here's one thing the old, old covenant taught us. That old system, here's what it taught us. It says, when we do bring our best, our best is only temporary. It's only temporary at its best. That's one thing the old covenant taught us. Here's what we know with the new covenant. We still approach God on his terms. We still only approach God on his terms. Now, I know I can hear it. I can hear it. You don't know it, but I can hear your thoughts for some of you. It's so like, well, okay, I get it. I get it, Pat. It's Jesus. I, I get it. It's Jesus. I've been here. I know that it's Jesus. I get it. I'm not trying to earn my way to a perfect God. I got to go through Jesus. I get the picture. I'm, you know, I, I was really hoping for something deeper today, Pastor. Like, I love it when you go deep. I, I get it. It's, it's Jesus. I'm not trying to earn it. I'm going to challenge that for just a moment because I'm, let me ask you a question because this is where this is a moment for honest reflection. Do you struggle to confess when you've messed up? Like, do, do you struggle to just acknowledge and confess? Yeah, I, I, I blew it. Not, not, I, not, not well, I, what I meant was, or, or no, no, I didn't. No, like, I'm, I, I sinned. Like, I messed up. Like, I, I, was, I thought about me, and I didn't think about others. Like, like do we struggle to confess? Here, here's another one. When you do. When you do mess up, when, when you do find yourself in a moment where here you are again, anger got the best of you and you flew off the handle. There we are again, looking in front of the computer screen. And it's like, I told myself I wouldn't go there again. But here I am on another Thursday, Friday night, looking at the same stuff all over again. Like in those moments, like in a moment like that, do you run to God or do you go, oh, hold on a second, I've been messing up. And we just kind of put them off for a little while. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I just, just, oh, I just, and you just kind of you just kind of delay it a little bit. Because there's one thing, when, when when it's like, well, I've been up every morning, I'm reading my Bible, spending time in prayer. Boy, I'm feeling good. Boy, it's easy to run to God then, isn't it? Oh, yeah, me and God, we're good. But then, but what about when it's not good? What about when you realize that you're still that you're broken? Like, then what do you do? Do you run to God? See, see, in these moments when we don't. Here's why we don't, because we're still trying to earn it. There's part of us that thinks we still got to earn it. There's still something in us that says, hold on a second, I still got to bring something to the table here. See, when we care deeply about something, and we can't control it because these are moments where we find out I can't control the, the things that are going around me a lot of times. I can't control certain things. Listen, we either shut down with anxiety and depression or we try to earn it in our own strength. That's what we'll do. Here's Jesus. Here comes God. He comes along with the better covenant. And he says, I got a better way. It's Jesus, the promise of a better covenant. It's a better way. We still approach God on His terms. He just has a better way forward. Okay, so what do we do with this? Because I know some of you, I know you, you come here. I want you to be able to take this tomorrow morning, hopefully, when you're going to work. We should be out of the snow by tomorrow morning. And you're heading to work. I want you to get up tomorrow and be able to go. Okay, what do I what do I do with this? Like, how how is this challenging me? What's this mean for my life? Well, let's let's answer this question. What makes Jesus' covenant better? What what makes that better for you and me? Here, here's the first one. It means that we can be in God's presence. Not that people couldn't be in God's presence in the old covenant, but it means that all of us can be in God's presence now, all of us, because it's based on his righteousness. It's based on his righteousness. And listen, without his righteousness, without his righteousness, we're only left with our own righteousness. Now, I know for for some of us, we think, well, yeah, I I get that. I I can't bring anything. I'm not talking about when we're aware that we can't bring anything. I'm talking about about self-righteousness. Like when we really feel like we're really got it together. When we really feel like we're the ones that are like, we're part of the, we're part of the solution, not part of the problem. Like that kind of like mentality. That's what I'm talking about. So, so how do you know? Because this is what I found. I found even in my own, in my own seasons of my own life where, I've, where maybe I've, I've just had a moment where I've just gone, oh, wait, hold on a second. I got some attitudes. I got some ideas I need to adjust. Sometimes you find yourself in those moments and you don't even realize it. Sometimes you need a moment to just kind of, oh, hold on a second, shine a light on it. Oh, man. That's, that's not Christ-like. And so how do you know when self-righteousness is creeping into your life? This is by no means some sort of exhaustive list here, but here's some ideas. Find yourself frustrated with the world around you, regularly, regularly frustrated. You look out. You may not have noticed this, but when you read, when you read the ministry of Jesus, Jesus looks out on the crowds and he has compassion on people. He, when he looked into the crowds of people, he had compassion. It says in another place, when he looks out in the crowds and he sees people who are, who are going astray, maybe making bad decisions, not going the direction they should, he looks out and he says, oh, he's pain." He says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He says, somebody needs to come in, love these people. He cares. He has compassion on the crowds. And so here's my question. Are we, do we look at the crowds with compassion or indignation? Like, what are we doing? This is is this this is, this should shine a light for some of us. How easy is it to demand judgment? Boy, these people over here, this group over there, those people that live there, these people that voted that way, it's like, we need judgment. We need God to come in here. We need God to make things right. We need judgment. We do this. We, we say this. We want this. All while becoming sort of like suffering martyrs for Jesus in this moment. It's like, well, we're going to truck along while the rest of the world... Listen to me. We read God's character. He's patient and he's loving. By the way, this is, this is Old Testament. This is, this is the same God as the Old Covenant as is in the, new, in the New Covenant. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, full of loyal love and faithfulness. Like this is, this is the character of God. And we hear that and we go, yes, please. I mean, don't we? Yes, please. That sounds good. I, I want that. But here's what it also means. It means judgment. Judgment. Always comes slower than you want it to. It is always going to be slower than you want it. It it means it's going to feel like people are getting away. It's going to feel like that's part of it because God's judgment is slow. He is slow. And praise God, he is. Praise God, he is for our own sake. So we, we feel this way. We feel this way inside because we still believe that we come to God Based on how well we're doing. That's why we have these, these, these feelings. You ever had the imposter syndrome? I'm sure some of you have heard this before. Imposter syndrome. It's this idea, it's this, it's this sense that everywhere you go, you're sort of unqualified to be there. You have this, you have this feeling like they, you, you just don't quite measure up. And so we, we posture. We posture because we got to make sure everybody knows I have a right to be here. I have the authority to do this. Always putting on a front. That's why, why we lead with, well, I've been doing this for so many years, and I have this experience, and I've got this on my resume, and I've, that's why we do this. It's because we're trying to always posture. We want people to, we want people to recognize, oh, no, 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 no. I, inside, I feel like I don't belong, but you need to know that I do. It's imposter syndrome. We, it's, it's this unhealthy self-talk that a lot of us have. Here's what I believe that a lot of us don't struggle with. I don't think we struggle to believe that God knows everything. I don't believe we struggle with that. I think we struggle to believe that God knows everything and he still loves me. I think we struggle with that thought. And here's why, because when we we don't believe that we're loved, we won't be sincere and honest. If we don't believe it's genuine, we won't be. We'll put on the front. If we don't believe that we're loved, we won't run to God. Why would we? If you don't believe it, Listen, we bring our broken selves. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus is what makes us righteous. This is how it works. Here's another one. The closer we get to God, the more our trust in him grows. The more our trust in him grows. Listen, faith faith is not spiritual and intellectual information. It's relational confidence. Like when you spend time with God, you build relational equity. Like it's meant when you get close to him. I'll give you an example. We're in year three of Freedom Church. Come on, somebody. That is fantastic. Yes, we're going into year three. Isn't that awesome? I remember that first year there was a gentleman. It seemed like at least once a week, sometimes even more. This guy would come to our church in the middle of the week, and he would intercept me midweek, like in the middle of the week. He would intercept me out here in the parking lot. This happened almost every week the first year that we were here. And he would come out here, and, oh, pastor. And he had this like, he had this sort of like talk that he did. You know, he wanted to, he was kind of posturing. So every now and then he'd get on a, a rant with me, and he'd kind of get that like, that like old school pastor of abroad. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're kind of like, whoa, I'm backing up. We're just having a conversation in the parking lot on a Tuesday. Yeah, so he, this guy would intercept me regularly. And he would come out here and he'd say, oh, listen, pastor, I'm just so grateful for Freedom Church. He'd say, I just want you to know I'm an apostle. Oh, okay, I'm an apostle. Yes, oh, I've been a pastor for years. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm on the board of many churches. Oh, okay, great. Yes, I would. I love pastors. I love the church. I'm just, I'm... I want you to know I'm here for you. Oh, really? And if you ever need me to step in and help you out here, I'm happy to do that. Oh, okay. I don't know you. I don't trust you. Come on. I don't know. I don't know you. You're not in my church. You're not in. You don't serve anybody. You're not here. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't trust you. Somebody comes to you with your kids. Never met. Hey, listen, I've been watching kids for years. I love kids. How about I come to your house and watch your children for you? I don't know you. I don't trust you. And rightfully so. Come on now. Listen. Listen Our trust in anything is reinforced by the person behind it. Anything. This is why we buy name brand. It's why we're willing to buy expensive things. Why? Listen, when it comes to God and anything else, the closer you get to him, the closer you get your life, like the trust is built. Like the more, the closer you get, trust grows. You 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 begin, your faith grows the closer you are with Him. And the closer you get, listen to me, your life can be marked by humility and stability and confidence. But you got to get closer to Him. Here's the third thing. We encourage and gather with others. You remember verse 24 and 25 at the end, of, talking about this better covenant that we have. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Not you, because you're here. You're here, through, you're here through time change and snow. So, hey, well done, church. Very good. So I was like, I'm talking to the other people. So share the podcast with them. You know, that's a great one. I'm just kidding. Okay. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen. The Great Commission. Jesus finishes up, and He gives us the Great Commission: go into the, all the earth and make disciples. Right? Do do this. It's part of the Great Commission. Commission. Did you know this? Reaching people outside of us, like reaching others who are outside of us, is very unique to the New Covenant. This was not a New Covenant thing. This is a this. This was not an Old Covenant thing. This is a New Covenant thing that we get. That we have this community where where we come and and we go to the rest of the world and we. We encourage and we build others up and we reach other people for Jesus. This is a, this is a new covenant phenomenon. Listen, the church, the church is no longer identified. Like we're not identified based on, based on ethnicity or geographical lines or earthly family heritage. Like these are, not the, these are not the boundary lines for our church. We've been adopted into God's family. This is, this is part of it. And we gather based on this new identity, based on a new promise, based on a new covenant. And making disciples and encouraging others and building others up is part of the new covenant. And now listen to me, because this is really important. Because I think there's a lot of us, we're kind of walking around and there's there's some emptiness. We're looking for something. We're always, we're looking for that moment. We're looking for this like gotcha moment. We're looking for God to download something to us. We're looking for an encounter. We're looking for something. And oftentimes we can't even articulate it. Can I just, can I tell you, can I be really straight with you? Here it is. It's impossible for you to be fulfilled without regularly encouraging others and building others up. Impossible. It's how the covenant works. It always goes through you. Always. Let's, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's, let's pray for a moment here. Just close your eyes with me. This is my prayer for you. This has been my prayer this week as I've been preparing for this, this weekend. This is my prayer for, for every one of us. What one, that we would spend more time in God's presence. That this would be a place that we, that we run to. Like he, This is why we've been telling you to get a guide and attend the service and stay connected to your small group. Like Again, these are all part of how we as the body of Christ... Spend time in God's, in God's presence. And so that's, that's my prayer. That's one of my prayers. Here's another one. I want all of us to grow in confidence. I want our confidence to grow. Not, not, it's not our confidence that I'm... Not, you know It's not your confidence in yourself. It's confidence in, in God and His covenant, His promise that He made to each one of us. It's, it's that kind of confidence. I want your confidence to grow. My other one is that you would be connected to other people. That, that, that being connected with others, isn't, it wouldn't just stay reserved for, for, for those of you that have finally made a step to get plugged into a group. Yes, there it is. Keep going. I pray that it doesn't just end there. I pray it is, is that it doesn't end there. For those of you that aren't in a group yet, or, or maybe you just weren't able to this semester, my, my, my prayer is that you don't use that as an excuse to isolate, but that you would continue to find a way to connect. Maybe you grab a book and maybe you just get connected with a friend. Maybe you just have coffee. Maybe you check in with somebody. Stay connected with other people. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for shedding light, helping us to grow. Where, where is it that we need to go? Are, are we trying to earn it? Maybe we, maybe we think we, we aren't, but maybe we are. Maybe you can help us to see that. Help us to see that. I pray this week that we would, that we would spend more time in your presence. That our discipline would grow this week where we would we would carve out those times that your Holy Spirit, and when you remind us that we would just say, yep, in a moment, yeah, I'm going to spend time with God in this moment for the next few minutes. Pray that through this, through this series that our confidence would continue to grow. That as we hear your word, our faith would increase. Our faith would grow. That's how it goes. We hear your word and it builds our faith. And I pray that each person here would be connected to other people. If they don't have a friend, I know know what that's like. I know what it's like to be in a place where where you don't have friends. Maybe you don't have a close friend. That's a painful place to be. And so I just pray right now that for those who have that feeling, that sense, I need somebody, I need somebody I can trust. I just pray right now that you would bring that person into their life. We ask you to do that. Bring a good friend into our lives. Help us to be connected, stay connected with other people in Jesus' name.